Welcome to our Episodes podcast, where we explore teaching and learning in a digital age. My name is Philippa Kruger, and I'm the Global Head of Languages at Education Perfect. In this episode, I chat to Sue Pomerad, who is the Head of Languages and Global Education at Woodford House in Havelock North in the Hawke's Bay area. Sue teaches French, Spanish and German. Prior to teaching at Woodford House, Sue taught at Rose Hill College in Papakura, Auckland as HOD of Languages for 26 years. She was also the President of the New Zealand Association of French Teachers from 2012 to 2016 and has worked on many committees and projects related to curriculum development and assessment for NZQA and the Ministry of Education. I interviewed Sue on the 30th of March at the very beginning of our time in lockdown in New Zealand and she was just beginning her remote learning program with her students. Hi Sue, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you've ended up where you are today? Hi Philippa, so um, I'm a teacher of French, German and Spanish and I started off as just French and German for many years and then In the last 10 years, I kind of picked up learning Spanish and now it's become a major part of my teaching program. I've taught languages kind of pretty well full-time over my whole career in about three or four schools, the longest being at Rose Hill College in Pabakura, Auckland for 26 years. And then um, in the last five years, I've been teaching at Woodford House in Havelock, North Hawke's Bay. And do you have any background or experience in remote learning? Not so much as a teacher, but I did my Spanish studies through Massey University as an online course, and that was absolutely fabulous. I have to say that it was even better than being a full-time student there, which is where I also did my language studies, but I did find it really, really good. What were some of the highlights, I guess, from a student perspective? Um, So the personal tuition, I found they would often make tutorials, especially for speaking, because that's difficult in languages. And I guess because people were a little bit nervous and about it, they didn't always turn up punctually or come at all. And so often it would be just one or two of us or even just a solo with the tutor. That actually was really, really good. I mean, it's a bit scary, but it was really good. And they also... uh, were really up to date with technology and so sharing documents and really well laid out courses which were really clear to follow. I think, yeah, it did make it a real pleasure to learn and I did make huge progress. So I think um, it's a very successful means of teaching languages. And that's great. So as we're sort of entering this lockdown period here in New Zealand, do you think that experience has sort of shaped how you've approached the preparation for it? Like, have you referred back to that experience when you've been planning for what you're going to be doing with your classes? Um, A little bit in terms of the online tutorials. Yeah, a little bit with making myself available to talk with students one-on-one. I think that's that's quite good. Yeah. And, and so what is your plan for this period? What's your plan of attack? How are you going to sort of approach it? We have a fairly structured plan for the day, which is set by the school. And so we use um, a website called Schoology, which is probably in quite a few schools around New Zealand. And it's kind of like a one-stop shop where you have messaging, you have groups, and you can upload content or you can um, do conferencing. So like there's everything in there. 
And so we've been asked to have a 40-minute slot with each of our classes through the morning. So they've set it up from 8.30 to 1.10 with five 40-minute classes and there's like a 20-minute break between each one so that it's all finished by 1.10. And then we have to meet with our class, just the normal, following our normal timetable and um, teach them. And then in the afternoon, you're sort of preparing the way you're going to structure the next day. You have to put up on the updates page some instructions for exactly what what's going to happen the next day and when the conference is and then you have to go in and set the time on the conference button so there's a little bit of work with that but it makes it quite smooth so all the kids just turn up yeah at such and such a time the conference starts and they can get on like you can get up to a hundred people on if you wanted to on one of those conferences so it's going to follow quite a structured traditional timetable yeah so how are you going to plan out your conference sessions? What are you going to be doing? Have you got an idea of what you're going to be doing in those conference yeah. sessions and how you're going to use that time? I think that for me, uh, the godsend was that probably about six or seven years ago when I was at Rose Hill, we moved towards Google Sites. And at Rose Hill, they were really strongly encouraging us to set up a site for each class and to put all our content on it. and not only that, but also to make it as interactive as possible. So we got a lot of PD um, in how to do a site and then how to encourage students to be like actually take a bit of ownership as well and not only follow up but want to put their own things up like videos and some of their work sometimes showcased. And so I've been working on that over as it probably about seven years. And so now all my classes are on Google Sites. So it's been a very smooth transition for me. Basically, I just say, right, go to your site. We're starting at this point today and we're going to cover this, this bit, this bit and this bit. So basically, it's just a set of links. What um, different online tools have you been using that integrate into your Google Classroom? Well, I've got a few favorites. Um, number one is Education Perfect. You know, <laughs> I do love it. I absolutely love it, particularly the languages and action section. And I use that extensively with my classes and I do put a lot of pressure on students to be really competitive and I give out certificates and when they get and I give prizes when they reach points that's a big one and it really does motivate them hugely I've been using the assessment tool a lot more lately just for little small quizzes and things just to get check on um, progress and feedback and so that's a major. I also use Linguascope, um, with, particularly with my younger seven and eights, nines, because um, there's lots of pictures and things. And um, I think that's a great vocab learning tool. And the other one that I really like for grammar particularly is Languages Online UK. Um, they have really great explanations and lots of good repetition and drills and things to help people get grammar points. That's that's one that I really like. And then, of course, YouTube with um, tons and tons of clips and things. But why I like sites is because you can put a lot of visuals on as well. So when on the site, I've got pictures, I've got videos, and then I've got links like to Education Perfect, for example, to all sorts of things. And then um, they can click on them and just follow them through. And it is actually possible that they could do that even without me if they really wanted to. That's wonderful that you've got it all set up in place then that you can sort of keep going with that structure. 
Yeah, but even if you know, even if you didn't, setting up a Google site is really, really quick and easy these days. It wasn't when we first started, but nowadays it's totally um, like anybody can do it, and you wouldn't need to necessarily think I've got to set the whole site up. You could just do it on a day by day basis and um, just start adding things as you go. And I've just found that absolutely wonderful because in normal times, students can go back to it when they're absent. They you can say we did this part today. If they didn't follow the lesson too well, they can go back at their own pace and redo it. Or if they're bright and they really want to move ahead, they can. And so for independent learning and differentiation, it's really, really good as well. And so in that sort of structured conferencing time, will you be using that to talk through new points or new grammar points and and that kind of thing and kind of clarify things they might be struggling with from what they're working on on the site? Yeah, so generally the conference would start and depends very much on which class I'm working with. So that one I felt it was more important to be giving them the practice and the pronunciation and just being interactive. And so that one we did go for the full 40 minutes with just lots of practice. Like I would teach them something, whatever they were working on, really simple. Like um, um, what was the one we did the other day? Oh, I beat two, and then they all get to say I beat R, and um, so then you then you go through, and instead of doing a whole class choral thing, which I'm used to doing for pronunciation, that didn't work. So then I found I had to just ask them one by us. First of all, I said you just say it at home by yourself, but um, that wasn't that great either because most of them still had their mics on. So. <laughs> Then I said, right, we're going to go down the list on the side because all their names are appearing on the side. And I said, well, click. You know when um, turn your mic back on and then say it and then the next person get ready. And so they were clicking on and off and then I was going down the list and they said it. And that way, if I was correcting, everyone would hear what, how to, you know, what the correction was and which would hopefully help them with their pronunciation. That was like one little um, exercise that, or one way that I worked out to do like oral practice which is actually the way I prefer teaching is more the oral side but then another example would be like with my year 12 French within the site there's a shared notes part so there's their names on the left then there's a shared notes part and you can all type in there we were doing the pluperfect tense and they were finding that difficult and so we were writing sentences and then I I might sort of start the sentence and then ask them to pick up and instead of speaking it which is what we'd normally do in class they were um, typing it in and it actually was great because you could see letter by letter appearing and then pauses while they were thinking then they'd go oh but I don't know how to do this or that and the others were seeing it at the same time so they were saying oh oh no that's your whatever and correcting it and so actually it worked a treat and the kids themselves said wow this is better than even being in class we're learning way more that's fantastic what a great reaction you know like in such a unique unknown situation for them to have that positive reaction I think that's awesome yeah it was and it was something I thought wow this is actually really good any kind of group writing or grammar type things like that I think they're really really good that sounds like you've really very quickly adapted your lessons to that video conferencing environment because I imagine if you haven't done it before, it's quite an intimidating idea to have to do that and, and great that the students are actually participating because I imagine for them as well, it's such a new situation for them to be in. So that's really awesome. Yeah. Do you have any ideas about as time goes on, how are you going to 
motivate the students, get them engaged and interacting within that environment when the novelty might wear off. Do you have any ideas about what you're going to do? Yeah, um, I think it's quite important to have a bit of fun as well. So like a song, again, within that same site, there's like a shared screen thing where you can put up YouTube's clips or whatever and everybody can see them. So songs are lighthearted and kind of nice. There was a drawing board, which possibly could be quite good for describing draw-type activities that works really well in information gap-type scenarios in the classroom. So I think that should work as well on a a shared board because I'm talking about, for example, personal descriptions. That's what we were doing with Year 9, and they could draw it. didn't have colours, though, which was a bit of a pain, but I'm sure there would be other ways that you could, could manage it. We tried to do a kahoot <laughs> that didn't work too well um, because they couldn't see the screen where the answers were. They, but um, I was doing a shared screen. I'm sure it could work, but I just didn't quite get it there. But it's a work in progress, but something like that's quite fun. Yeah, oh, that's great. And I think those are definitely the ideas of songs. That's, I think, always a good one for getting them enthusiastic isn't it and I think that would work really well on a video conferencing it is and more than anything you know I think personal contact like the most important thing I think is keeping that communication because if they're feeling isolated and worried like one girl sent me an email saying I'm feeling so confused and I'm so worried and blah 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 so I immediately wrote straight back to her and then she was worried about her writing and how she couldn't get it accurate. So then I just asked her to write just a short paragraph and um, just kind of told her about, just as you would normally in lang- any language class, it, it's always climbing up, climbing up the mountain. Then you hit a plateau and you're, you're sort of there and then you have to climb up again. And I told her she's in the climbing phase. And, you know, but just that kind of, I think that one on one encouragement is ultra important and so keeping on top of your communication with each student is going to be a big ask. Yes I can imagine if they're all emailing in and needing that direct response that would become very time consuming. Yeah yeah I'm sure you can't do that with big big classes but um, it's not everybody that needs it either though so yeah. True yeah. On that note does the school have a plan in place for supporting student and teacher well-being in this time like what strategies have they suggested of any for sort of helping the students in their well-being right so um we have the online nurse the online counselor um you know just the people in their normal roles but are just making themselves available um for kids to check in with if they want to there's we have a strong pastoral care thing at school so there's a google doc where if for example students aren't turning up to the conferences um, we can put their names forward to their and that just works like it normally at school through to the deans and that and the homeroom teachers so we have a homeroom group that students are supposed to check in with at least once or twice a week and then we as the homeroom teachers pass on to the deans if if people aren't coming or whatever or any problems and we do have a weekly discussion of students at our school we do that in normal times anyway and so that will continue um for staff the staff groups become super active so normally our staff group was almost non-existent because it happened in real life but now there's amazing a lot of stuff going on like one thing at the moment is people are picking um a letter of the alphabet and 
from a Scrabble set, you just pick any letter and then in that, that evening for dinner, all the members of the family have to dress up in something to do with that oh, letter of awesome. the alphabet. And then they're posting photos and it's turning into a real competition and there's all these funny photos of people and their families everywhere and it's, it's actually quite hilarious. Yeah, there's strong sort of collegial people wanting to be networking and just having a bit of fun with each other. And that sounds like a really great idea just to kind of get people connecting and, and that's something positive to focus on. That's a, that's a really cool idea. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's been really insightful for me and great to hear some of the ideas um, that you're using. And it sounds like the transition so far has been really successful and sounds like you've also got lots planned, you know, to make the rest of this lockdown period really successful. So thank you so much for sharing your ideas, Sue. And um, I'm sure all the people listening to this will have learned a lot. So thank you so much. You're most welcome. Thanks. Thanks, Sue. Okay, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this conversation with Sue Pomerad. This episode wraps up season two of our episodes podcast. I hope you found it as helpful as I did to hear Sue's ideas and experiences of adapting to the remote learning environment and how some of the activities she is doing are working really well in a remote setting. I was amazed by her students' positive response and by the systems the school has set up to support student and staff well-being. We hope that we have given you much food for thought in the past few weeks and that we have provided some support for your work in these lockdown times. We'll be back with Season 3 on the 6th of May. Finally, this podcast wouldn't be possible without the wonderful support of our producer Paula Prass and our brilliant sound engineer Yasmin Novak. Thanks for listening and hear you soon.